0: Luke chapter 11, let's start in verse 14. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. And when the demon had gone, when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And others said to test him, and others to test him were demanding of him a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself, divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. Satan also is, if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I by Beelzebul cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him his armor, on which he has relied, and distributes his plunder. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. And when the unclean spirit goes out of a man... And it passes through the waterless places, seeking rest and not finding any. It says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it will find it swept and put in order. Then he goes out and takes along seven other spirits more evil than himself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of the man has become worse than the first. Uh, while Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast." At which you nursed. But he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Okay, so we had read a a passage that sounds somewhat similar to this in the past, but they're not the same. Now remember, there were three miracles that Jews taught in that day and continue to teach because it's in the Mishnah, in their writings, three miracles that only Messiah would be able to do. And those three miracles were, one of them was to be able to cast a demon out of a man who was mute. Another one was to heal a man who had been born blind, to heal him from his blindness. And the third one being that he would cast out, he would be the only one who who would be able to proclaim cleansing or healing of a Jewish leper. Because since the law had become complete, never had a Jewish leper been healed, even though there's multiple chapters in the Old Testament on how to deal with them. So, so uh, uh, Naaman had been healed, but he was not Jewish. Uh, uh, the, the sister of uh, Miriam, the, the sister of Moses, Miriam had been healed, but not after the law had been complete. That was prior to the law's completion. So there were these three. Now Jesus is doing; he's already fulfilled all of those. And remember, each one of those cases, as soon as he healed them, they said, "Could could this be the Messiah?" Right away they were saying, what does this mean? It was different than any other healing, because that's what they had been taught. Now again he heals a man who was mute. Uh, 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 he heals, heals, takes, pulls a demon out of a man who was mute, practices exorcism on this demon-possessed man, and to take this demon out. But remember that Jews said that you had to name the demon and then cast him out, and sometimes Jesus used that technique. But Jesus didn't have to use it, so they said only the Messiah would be able to do this. The last time he did this, the words were, "Has he in, it, could this indeed be the hand of God? And then the Pharisees had to come up with something to explain this, and they said, well, he's able to do this because he works for Satan, because of the power of Beelzebul. Beelzebul was actually means the Lord of the Flies, as we've covered before. But actually, that terminology, that was a twisting of the Jews to say the Lord of the dung flies. It was was actually a, a foreign god, and they changed the name a little bit. The last time we read it, it ushered in the unpardonable sin. Now it happens again, and the last time he did it, the Pharisees said that he cast them out by Beelzebul. Now is not the case. Now it's different. Now it says, as soon as he cast this, this demon out, and this was not for the masses, he was just healing individuals now. It says, some of them said, in verse 15, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. So, who is the some of them? The end of verse 14 says, and the crowds were amazed. Within the crowd they were saying it. Prior to this, the other time it occurred, it was the Pharisees that said it. The other time it occurred, it was up in the Galilee. This is down in Judea. This is a different occurrence, a later occurrence, one year later since the last time. So you see the propaganda war of the Pharisees. Pharisees were the one who said last time it was, he's only able to cast out these things because he works for Beelzebub, because of the Lord of the Demons. Now it's the masses who are saying it. So if you say, well, you know, Jesus, he always experienced success. Not. I mean, the, he didn't. I mean, here, it was just the Pharisees that were saying this last time. Now the masses are believing what the Pharisees had been drilling into them. So the masses themselves now are coming against Jesus, saying it was beelzebub So you, you see, the masses have been buying into what these religious leaders have been teaching them. And it says in, in verse 16, others were trying to test him, demanding of him a sign from heaven. A year before this, it was the Pharisees that were trying to test him, demanding from him a sign. Now, Jesus' explanation to the masses is very similar. Not exactly the same, but very similar to the account in Matthew. Very similar to the account when, when uh, uh, he dealt with this previously. And this is exactly what should happen. If you were to go, say, to YouTube and listen to a message I gave at a particular location, and somebody else filmed it at another location, you say, the guy is giving the same message. Yeah, but it was in two separate locations I gave that message. When you have a preacher that is going around and speaking and the same, the same accusations are, are leveled against him, what does he do? He gives exactly the same argument. And so he begins to teach them. He says, look, how could I work for Satan and cast out demons? A kingdom divided itself wouldn't be able to stand. And he starts talking about this. And then he says, he says if I by Beelzebub, if I by the leader of demons cast out demons, by whom then do your sons cast them out? The same things he taught last time. So in fact, Jewish exorcism was something that was practiced in that generation. Jews themselves practiced exorcism. That's why he said, if I... By Satan cast them out. By whom do your sons cast them out? Meaning that your sons cast them out. And he says, and they will become witnesses against you. Because they know what I'm doing. And then he says, and then he starts talking about how a strong man, when he's bound, his things can be plundered. And that's exactly what's happening to Israel. He's again prophesying to them. And then comes the charge to the individual. This is where it really impacts us. He's speaking to that generation, but then comes this charge in verse 23. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. If I think that, well, I, 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 just, I just won't speak up about Jesus or tell anybody about Jesus, but I'm not going to speak against Him either. I'll just kind of remain neutral. Just kind of neutral. Just kind of like Sweden. I'm just going to just be neutral in this whole thing. Jesus said, that's not going to work. He says, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. You know, there is a call upon our lives. There's a call upon us that we are to be about something and doing something for the kingdom of God. And this feeling like, well, I'm not going to come against God, but... You know, I don't want to go overboard. And, and uh, I, I've heard this definition of a fanatic. Uh, a fanatic is someone who's more excited about God than I am. Or than we are. Jesus calls us to something. And he says, you know, if, if, you don't, if you're not with me, you're against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. I see this in families. I'll tell you what, what I mean by this. Sometimes I'll find a man, yeah, my my wife goes to church, she takes the kids once in a while, but I don't want to go and and, uh, I go fishing or take the kids fishing and my wife goes alone to church or something like that. And I'm thinking, you don't know what you're doing. You think that you're not opposed to God, but your kids are going to pick up your attitude and not your wife's attitude. They're going to pick up your habits, your bad habits, and not your wife's good habits of going to church. And you're really going to regret this someday. And I have invariably had men come back to me a decade later saying, you were right. I mean, my kid's going crazy. And I can't get him to go to church. I'm like, he's just following your example. There are things that we do that people watch. Things that we do that people see. You think, well, okay, well, when I get married and I get, I get kids, then I'll start going to church. Liar. Hypocrite. You will not. You will not. And if that's the only reason that you do, your children will see it. Because children are more astute to hypocrites than anyone else. They'll call you on it all the time. Well, you said this, and now you're doing this. I mean, you just innocently call this out. They see hypocrisy. You say it's important... To have a love for the Bible, I never see you read the Bible. They'll call you out on it. Moses was faithful in all of God's household. The scriptures say. He could have said, "Well, you know, when we get into the promised land, then I'll, then I'll really get diligent for the Lord." You know, right now we're in the wilderness. It's kind of rough out here. You know, the sun's beating down on us all the time. This is a long time. We're in the wilderness. When I get done with school, then I'll really get excited about them. Then I'll start taking this stuff seriously. That's hypocrisy. That's a lie. Jesus said, if he he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters, is Jesus gathering? Is Jesus interested in people? Is He? Yeah. So interested in people's lives. You pray this prayer. Lord, let me see these people with your eyes. You can even pray that for a few days. And let me see these people with your... the way you see them. And as you begin to talk with people, it's like, you'll be thinking, God loves this person so much. God loves this individual so much. He who does not gather with me scatters. Jesus said, I care about them. You ought to also. If I don't gather with Jesus, I am scattering. I am obliged to serve the Lord. This is my obligation in Him. He who has given Himself for me, I am obliged to serve alongside with Him. And it is my honor to serve alongside with Him. It's my honor to do this. He who does not gather with me Scatters. Think about that. This is not my word. This is his word. He has said it. Jesus said, He who does not gather with me scatters. Could Jesus, if I don't care about his work, I'm opposed to him in his eyes. He who does not gather with me scatters. I challenge you with something small. Use social media. Use texts to invite some friends to hear. I mean, this is, this is like, what are they going to think of me? I don't know. Maybe they'll think of you what they thought of Jesus. How's that? Remember, it's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. He who does not gather with me scatters, Jesus says. And then he goes on in verse 24 and he talks about this this unclean spirit. And he says when unclean spirits go, and there's there's this... uh, um, When an unclean spirit leaves a man, is cast out of a man, it it goes around and if it doesn't find any place, it's going to get seven other demons worse than itself and come back to the man if he sees that place all swept in in order. And that's something prophetic that he's saying over the kingdom of Israel, he says, you know, you've denied me, you wait. I mean, it's going to be a real mess for you. And I say this as a Jew, I say this. But Jesus, this is what he's talking about. And then, while he was saying these things, in verse 27 it says, and while Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breast at which, and the breasts at which you nursed. So just think about this. Here Jesus is speaking. He's addressing a group of people. And some woman shouts, shouts out, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breast at which you nursed. Have you ever heard anything strange happen in a church service? Has that ever happened? Well, it happened to Jesus too. Alright? I mean, Jesus is having this service and a woman just cries out with this voice, and says this. It's like, uh, well, how did he handle it? (laughs) You might remember the last time this sort of thing happened. The last time that that, uh, uh, Jesus spoke and was defending the same sort of thing, it was that his family had come to seek him because because people thought he was crazy. They thought he had lost his mind, the Scriptures say, and his mother and his brothers came. And he says, who are my mothers? Who who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? It is those that take the Word of God and observe it. That's what he said last time. This is a different instance. Here a woman shouts out and she says, blessed is, is your mother. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. And Jesus says, but on the contrary... Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. So Jesus wasn't all, you know, flustered because the service got a little disordered here. And somebody shouted out. Not at all. I mean, he just took that and he used it. He says, but on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. So we might think that, that hey, maybe that's a, uh, some, some sort of condemnation of Mary. No, it it's actually actually enhances Mary the mother of Jesus. It actually is a testimony of who she really is. Because Mary, more than most anyone that we have an example of, is a woman who really took the Word of God and ran with it. Remember, in Israel, men would get married between the ages of 16 and 18. So, men, you want to know a lot of these struggles that you go through in life and these things. Remember, in Israel men were generally getting married between the ages of 16 and 18, or 15 and 18. So a lot of the struggles that you have in being young single guys, they never even experienced, really. Young women, the same sort of thing. Women in that day generally got married around 14. 14 or 15. So a lot of the struggles that you might have as an unmarried young woman, the women didn't struggle with. But here is Mary at the age of... of, uh, 14 roughly, probably, in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, it says, Mary said, Behold the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. So she says to the angel, I receive your word. What did the angel say to her? She said, you're going to get married. He said to her, you're going to get married, and you're going to have a child. And that child is going to be named Jesus. Now, how would you like it if somebody came up to you and told you what your child was going to be named? Hey, you know, this is kind of—I kind of choose the name here. What do you mean? Not only did he choose the name, he chose the occupation. He talked about what this deliverer was going to do. You know, I'm engaged to Joseph. I kind of want him to be a carpenter like Joseph. I mean, he's going to be in politics or something. It's not what I had in mind. No, this woman yielded. And this is why, in in verse 42 of Luke chapter 1, it says that that, uh, her aunt cried out, and, and Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So Mary was a great lady. So when Jesus said, on the contrary, blessed is he, who hears the Word of God and observes it. He's just saying, first of all, for Mary, my mother, it's not so much what she was in the flesh. It was because she observed what God had said. But then, what comes upon us? Is it obligatory upon us? Are we obliged to hear the Word of God and do it? And that's why Jesus said, on the contrary, blessed is he who hears the Word of God and observes it. This theme is carried throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Again and again you will see this. Fearing God and obeying his commandments. Taking the word of God and walking in it. Look in, in uh in Psalm 119, Psalm 119. This is probably the portion of scripture that I have meditated on more than any other portion. Where have I spent most time in Scripture? It's in Psalm 119, starting at verse 97. That entire Psalm, every verse, almost every verse out of the 150 verses, speaks about the beauties of God's Word. Whenever I start feeling like I'm not getting refreshed from God's Word, I will read Psalm 119. Because if that doesn't excite you about God's Word, I don't know what would. In Psalm 119, verse 97 says this, Oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. I love your word, and so I meditate on it all the day. I love your word, and I meditate on it all the day. Verse 98, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. This has terrific practical application. You just say, I don't have any enemy. Well, what about Satan? Alright? You have an enemy. And there are things in your life that you're going to be dealing with and competing with, and you can remember this. I remember I was in graduate school, and I was working on the synthesis of a compound called Grandisol. It's the it's the uh, uh, sex pheromone of the male boll weevil. So, uh, who cares about that? Well, people who grow cotton care a lot about that. And the boll weevil has about been eradicated in this country because of grandisol, because of the synthesis of grandisol. But anyway, I was working on this synthesis, and I, I heard um, somebody was visiting the university, and they, they said this very famous group at Ohio State, they, they said the group of Leo Paquette was also working on the synthesis of grandisol. And I was like, oh a lonely, lowly graduate student, and I'm you know, competing with this, this big group over there at Penn State. How would I ever win? And I said, Lord, your commandments make me wiser than my en- enemies, for they are ever mine. <laughs> Lord, give me wisdom to get this molecule synthesized. Give me wisdom. And we beat him on the synthesis. We published our paper before he did. This is an important thing. You say, well, oh, come on, what? God doesn't stoop so low. He's got, He's got, uh, like like Tevye said. You know, I know you've got, you've got famines and wars to worry about, and natural and disasters. But and then He said, you know, but if you could remember my son-in-law, He wants a, he, he wants a sewing machine. God really does care about the things that are of interest to you. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are of mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. You will have more wisdom than all your teachers. That's what he says. That's the promise. If you make God's word your meditation, if you don't believe it, you know what I say? Father, they don't believe. The blessing they could have had, don't waste it, Lord. I'll take it. I'll take it. I have more insight than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. And it doesn't say just Bible teachers. It doesn't say that. Who has taught you? Who has educated you? If you meditate on the Word of God, you will have more insight than all your teachers. That's a promise. You take the Word of God and you bring it into your life. Blessed is he who has heard the Word of God and observes it and does it and follows it. It is not enough just to hear you must hear it and do it. I understand more than the aged because I have, res- uh, I have observed your precepts. You say there's wisdom with the aged? Maybe so. But you can understand more than the aged if you observe God's precepts. And I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. This is the fear of God. I have restrained my feet from evil ways so that I may keep your word. You take the word of God and meditate on it and make it a part of your life. It will restrain your feet from going in the evil way. You know, I read in the scriptures and it says, if you touch, if a man touches another man's wife, he will in no way go unpunished. Whoa. you take the Word of God and it keeps you from doing evil. This is as the Scriptures say, fear God and keep His commandments. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your Word. You read the Word of God every day and you will restrain your feet from going in the evil direction. If you don't read the Word of God, you don't even know what to restrain your feet from. Look in the... uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. A few books after Psalms is Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes is a difficult book book to understand. Solomon, a man of great wisdom, totally trashed his life by seeking idols of, of, of his many foreign wives. And then at the end of his life, this is the last thing he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. So the second to last verse is here. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 the conclusion when all has been heard is this fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person for God will bring every act to judgment everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil fear God and keep His commandments this applies to every person to every person Fear God and keep His commandments. And you think this is all Old Testament, turn to the Gospel of John chapter 15. John chapter 15 verse 9. John chapter 15 verse 9. Jesus continued on the same theme. It never ends. Fearing God and keeping His commandments. John chapter 15 verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Okay, so whatever I am telling you, remember this. The overarching thing is this. God loves you and that doesn't change. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Jesus establishes that. So His love for you is not in question. That's not the question. I've loved you just as my Father has loved you. He says, but now, abide in my love. Stay there in my love. In other words, I have every right in the world to step away from, his, from this abode of His love. I can choose to do whatever I want. Because without freedom of choice, love itself is impossible. And then He says, If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love. Just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. What kept Jesus Abiding in the Father's love? Oh, well, because He was the Son of God, so it was inherent. No. Jesus said that's not true. What keeps me abiding in my Father's love is that I keep His commandments. That's what He said there. I can step away from His love. What keeps me in this abode of His love is that I keep His commandments. If a child should say, well... You know, I'll step out, I'll just go out wherever I want. They're going to get really beat up by the world. It's abiding in the love of God by keeping His commandments. And then he says in verse 11 of John chapter 15, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Your joy in life will come because of obedience to Christ. He says... He says that in in, in, in verse 11, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Because in verse 10 he says, abide in my love. That's somewhat ethereal. What does that really mean? So I'll tell you what it means. You keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Nothing ethereal about that. That's as black and white as can be. Could he have been more clear on that? You keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. And he says, I told you these things so that you're going to have joy in your life. Now now remember, Christian joy is not necessarily being rich and famous and all these other things. Christian joy is having a deep abiding faith. But I can tell you how to destroy your life. And that is not keep the commandments of God. And you will not know the commandments of God unless you meditate on them. Unless you make them your daily meditation. There, is, there are multiple promises. Psalm 119, verse 97, as we read. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Psalm 112, Psalm 1. Multiple promises that says that these things come through daily meditation. There's no promise, no promise in the Bible for three times a week blessing. You read the Bible three times a week, maybe you'll be blessed, maybe you won't, I don't know. But there's no such promise. There is a promise for daily meditation on the Word of God. If it could have happened three times a week, why not once a week? Why not just once a year? Just really be efficient. You know, we'd be energy conscious. We'd just read the Bible once a year and the blessings will flow. Why once a year? Why not once a decade? The Bible very specific for a reason. Daily. If you're too busy for the Word of God, you are too busy. There's lots of busy people in this world that spend their daily reading the Scriptures. Learn to do that. You will be greatly blessed. There are some people in this room that have never received Jesus Christ. The first step is knowing Him. The Bible says that whoever whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that he has been raised from the dead, he shall be saved. That's in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He shall be saved. Come to the point of confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing that he's risen from the dead. And Jesus has placed within you the ability to believe in his physical resurrection because it's a truth That he's placed within people. Without that, what human being could ever believe in a physical resurrection? But because God has placed that truth within each person. Because Jesus resonates with the heart of man. With the heart of woman. That's how we believe. So in this prayer time, we're going to pray. For those that don't know Christ. Those that don't know Jesus have never said, Lord, come into my life. You can pray that prayer today with me in this prayer time. For those of you that know Christ, but have not been in His Word, that have not been observing His Word in this prayer time, I ask you to make a commitment to walk with God more fully. Because he who does not gather with Him scatters. Don't oppose God. Get into the Word of God daily. Let's pray. Abba. Abba. My Father. I pray, O Lord, that You would come now upon these young people. And start drawing them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Drawing them to Your Son. those of you that don't know Jesus pray with me in your own heart pray with me as I pray Lord Jesus come into my life I confess that you are Lord forgive me for my sins wash me clean I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead And draw me close to you. For those of you that know Jesus, but have been scattering and not gathering with him, pray this prayer Father, forgive me for not taking your word seriously. Father, forgive me for not hearing the Word of God and doing it. Forgive me for not fearing God and keeping His commandments. I will commit to reading the Scriptures every day as best as I can. To reading the Scriptures every day and hearing God, and obeying Him. And Father, I pray that You would take these young people, and so work in their lives, and draw them closer to Jesus, because of this day, because of this morning. And I pray, O Lord, that because of this morning, their lives would be changed, and they would learn to hear the Word of God, and observe it, in the name of Jesus. Amen.